0: God whose son upon a tree alive was willing there to give that E from sin might set men free and evermore with him could live there is a God He is alive our God created in your faith and praise books. This will be a a last song before the speaker of the hour comes before us. Once again, it's page 464 in your faith and praise books. Because you live. We came to love.
1: still encourages me as I go on my way. Amen. Because he lives that we can face tomorrow. I truly like the part of that song that says all fear is gone. It says because I know who holds the future. And then he writes in there that is gone and we know who holds the future Future. life is worth the living surely when Paul gave us Ephesians 5 and told us to speak to ourselves in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs to sing and make melody in our heart unto the Lord the spirit knew what he was telling Paul to do because every Lord's Day we come together. We are so fortunate and we are so blessed that we are able to lift up our voices unto God. And the Bible truly lets us know that God hears us. Because as we have learned from last Lord's Day, when we come together in worship, we are in the presence of the Lord. God says that we sing unto him and And when we sing unto him, he he hears our uh, voices. We don't don't need instruments of music. Uh, We are the instrument of music. Ezekiel reminds us that he has placed the pipes within us. And so when we sing, if the world would want to call a cappella music, we just say we just lift up our voices to God. We give him the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips, and we do it continually. I'm just so thankful that uh, the church knows how to sing Amen. and give praise to God. It's not about whether or not you can hit the, the alto or the soprano or the bass or the singing facetto. It's about whether or not you're willing to open up your spiritual heart and lift up your voice unto God Amen. to give him the praise. All that other stuff is secondary. It's certainly not primary. And we do it continually because we love the Lord. Uh, you know, from Monday through Saturday, we go through a lot. We are challenged with the various issues of the world. But when we uh, pause in our busy lives and come before the Lord and, 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 and fellowship with him and worship him in, in, in worship service, uh, we are now ready to uh, recognize how good God has been. Amen. It helps us to forget about all the other things that have gone on throughout the week. Because on the Lord's Day, we just recognize that God is still good. Amen. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. It's good to be here this morning. Um, we are once again reengaging our our uh, uh, theme, I, I can hardly believe that we are now in the first month of the second six months of the year. Amen. We're halfway through this year already. Amen. Time surely flies. Uh, and, and I pray that we, we take heed to what James says when he says, what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appeared for a little while and vanished away. We might think we have time on our side, but we don't. All we have is right now. We don't know where death is. Uh, And so each time God gives us the opportunity to be better Christians than we were before in the past, we ought to take it. And if it is the case that you have not become a child of God, not become a Christian, God is giving you this time side of life, this moment in time, uh, to get your life right with God. Uh, Paul made it very clear, now is the accepted time. Now is the time of salvation. I want to call your attention very quickly to the book of Hebrews. As we have been uh, speaking about Abraham, uh, some of you may recall that uh, uh, Abraham is identified uh, as Hebrew. Matter of fact, the first time you come across the word uh, Hebrew in the biblical text, uh, it is in the book of Genesis where we've been uh, studying uh, and if you look at Genesis 14 and uh, verse number 13, uh, Abram, who is Abraham, uh, is identified as Hebrew. And so what we recognize here is then that uh, those who are uh, uh, sought uh, to be freed, if you will, when they were in Egypt, when Pharaoh had uh, oppressed them, uh, we recognize that when when they were called Hebrew, uh, we understand that there is a, a, a connection, if you will, to, to Abram, Abraham. Um, Paul writes to the Hebrews. He writes to those because he identifies them as God's uh, chosen people when it comes to Judeo, uh, the Judeo-Christian concept. Uh, under the Mosaic dispensation, we recognize that God called them Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 5 uh, helps us to understand that uh, the, uh, those who were uh, part of Israel, the uh, 12 sons of Jacob, if you will, uh, and we recognize that Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and uh, if you look at the various sons of, uh, of Israel, you eventually get to uh, the son Judah, which is the tribe uh, through which the high priest, that is called Jesus, Jesus. Uh, comes, um, but nevertheless, we recognize the general description of their ethnicity is Hebrew. And so, when Paul writes to Hebrew, to the Hebrews, he's he, he's writing uh, to them who know the law, who know the covenant, who are familiar with uh, the Mosaical law and all of its. Uh, ceremonial responsibilities, as well as its its spiritual commandments, uh, including the uh, well-known Decalogue, uh, the Ten Commandments. Uh, But nevertheless, he writes to them because he speaks to them about change. He speaks to them about the Christian dispensation and how the relevancy of Christ is so significant. Uh, As they um, began to transition from Uh, those things which are of the Old Testament uh, being manifested in the New Testament, Uh, but yet we are still looking at one covenant. I, I hope that we can understand that the Spirit has given us these words, has given us the word of God from Genesis to Revelations. The Spirit has given them, he has gathered them, and uh, the prophets and prophetess have spoken forth concerning them and surely the apostles have uh, spoken and written them and now we're asked to read uh, so that we can understand this wonderful uh, uh, blessing of God which encourages every soul uh, if that soul desires to be saved. Now our theme this year has been uh, illustrated and we identified it as the various constructs of God's people uh, in terms of the ark of the covenant uh, and uh, the ark, if you will, of uh, Noah and the the intersection that that ark has with the covenant, as we have already read in Genesis. Noah uh, was given a covenant when he went into the ark. He did not go into the ark with his own subjective idealism of how God should be worshipped. And how he should be served. And that's important. And and as a point of emphasis here. No dispensation. Has been left to its own devices. When it comes to worshiping and serving God. God's covenant has been interwoven. And has been articulated. In every dispensation. During the time of the miraculous. And certainly during the time of just the manifestation of his word where the miraculous ends is first corinthians chapter 13 helps us understand that that which was prophesied was prophesied in part uh the miracles were in part even speaking in tongue in part all those things were in part but that when that which is perfect is come that which is in part shall vanish away and so when we receive the word of god we now have the complete revelation and the comprehensive revelation of God. And now Paul says to us in Ephesians chapter 3, whereby when you read. And so that's why it's important for us to study the biblical text. Because when we read it, we are to come into a better understanding and a knowledge of what it is that God desires of our Christian lives. And this is no different than Abraham, who became, if you will, the first that God called in the sense of uh, 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 of of, of, uh, uh, designing the and unfolding the plan uh, to save man, he calls Abraham and he calls him out of idolatry. We studied this on last Lord's Day. He called him out of the land of Ur where his father and his his parents and others, if you will, were idol- uh, worshipers of idolatry. They did not worship God, but yet God called Abram, who is a Hebrew, uh, and he blesses Abram and who will eventually be blessed with him, his wife Sarai, who would become Sarah. This is significant because Abraham is being asked to change. He is being, if you will, directed to change, but not change based on his own subjective idea of what that change should look like, but he's been asked to change based on what God has provided for him to uh, follow after and how he is to develop his life. This is so important because when we come to the idea of religion and having a religious belief, many people want to design and develop their own religious belief system, and then they will morph themselves into that belief system, thinking that God is going to be accepting of that belief system, and it is not a belief system that is based on God's word. It's one based on their own subjective thinking. God has not left that to man to design. God has already designed that. He's left it to man to accept it and to obey it. And so he writes to, Paul does, the Hebrews. And he says something to them that, that 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 links the constructs of the ark and the tabernacle and the temple and the church together. Now we know that each of them, if you will, are interconnected with the covenant. Because there is none of those constructs without covenant each of those constructs are, uh, uh, constructs are connected to the covenant of God, whether it was in the Old Testament or the New. Each of those constructs, the tabernacle, the temple, which are, if you will, the temple, uh, if you will, uh, 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 crosses over from the Old Testament into the New Testament, but nevertheless, the tabernacle and the, uh, the Ark of Noah, each of those were, were, were specifically and primarily connected to the covenant of God. And the temple, which, if you will, uh, 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 transcends both, the te- or intersects both of the Old and New Testament, the temple being we are the temple of God, the church is identified as the temple of God, uh, and, and and we need to recognize that the tabernacle, which became stationary, no longer movable or transportable, it became stationary, Solomon built the house of God, the temple, and it became, if you will, uh, a, 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 a place where the high priest would go, it became stationary, but nevertheless, it was still constructed and it was still to be, and the, and the services done in it were, if you will, to be, uh, uh, to be performed based on God's word. There was no individuality and subjectivity given to man to create his own religion. At no time was that possible. This is important because in Hebrews, he starts speaking, that is Paul, about the significance of Christ. And in particular, we read in the scripture reading, Hebrews chapter 4. And we looked at verses number 14. And I want to ask that you cast your eyes there for a moment so that we can tease out this significant relationship with the Hebrews and the church and Christ. In Hebrews 4 and 14, Paul writes, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. I want to pause in this, this passage of scripture, just for a few moments, because there, there, there's something that we need uh, to get an understanding of and to get our heads around. Paul talked about how there were things of the past. In verses one through thirteen, he he talks about the the the, the manifestation, if you will, of the of the uh, of, of the temple and the foundation uh, of of old things and the foundation. of of new things and how those things, uh, if you will, were passed away, and now the new things, those things which are of Christ, will unfold and become the 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 the, the, the teaching and the practices of the gospel uh, that will encourage man to move forward in their uh, uh, evolution and their development to become the people that will uh, God will find acceptable in the end. He speaks about this high priest. Not a priest made by man, not a priest ordained by man, but a priest that is ordained by God. I I, I think it's important for us to understand that in the Old Testament, there's a a practice whereby God allowed them uh, to uh, to identify uh, and to appoint a high priest based on his covenant Every year, every year there was a, 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 when one high priest died, there was a new high priest, if you will, Uh, uh, put in place so that every year that high priest would be able to go into the holies of holies and to offer sacrifices unto God. If a high priest passed, there was a new high priest put in place. These were the things that were perpetuated during the time of man as God unfolded the the, the saving, if you will, the the plan of salvation to save man through the Old Testament. But when you come to the New Testament, you have to notice something in this significant shift. And this is what Paul is sharing with the Hebrew. There is no other man that can save you than that which is of Christ. And Paul emphasizes, look, all those things you knew in the Old Testament, all those things that were under the law of Moses, all those things that God showed you during that dispensation in that time of transition, he was letting you know that those things will come to pass. People are still holding on to something that can't save them. forward and and see Christ in our lives because there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved oh hold on to that not not might be not not possibly but must be saved and that is Christ we we cannot be saved by, by any other man and look and it did not matter and does not matter how good that man may have been Elijah was a good man, but Elijah can't save your soul, amen, he may have been translated, but he can't save your soul, Moses with all of his uh, imperfections, God still saw him as the mediator between God and man in the Old Testament text, but, but without with, with, with all of Moses' uh, a wonderfulness, amen, and and the, and the struggles that he went through to take those people of God across the Red Sea and to, and to bring them to the cusp of Canaan land, where Joshua eventually brought them into Canaan land. Even in all of Moses' greatness, he was a man in the house. He wasn't a man over his own house. He was a great man, but he can't save you. Even Abraham. Abraham being one of the main characters, the protagonists of the Old Testament when it comes to the faith. As much as we will continue to unfold the blessing that faith began with Abraham in the unfolding of God's word. The Bible says he was the father of faith, Galatians chapter 3. But we make sure that we understand that even with all of Abraham's frailties and weaknesses and and, and, and all of his glory as well, where God said that the seeds of Abraham would be innumerable, Sarah would bring forth through the processes of the lineages uh, of Isaac and others, would be new, innumerable, but at the end of the day, with all of Abraham's greatness, Abraham can't save you. Amen. And so Paul writes to the Hebrews, and, and he's getting them to make this transition, because the lineages of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of people and the ethnicities of people and, the, and the, uh, the genealogy of people seem to have more importance than Christ. And so Paul writes to the Hebrews and letting them know. Abraham didn't enter into the holy holies. Moses didn't enter into the holy holies. Elijah did not enter into the holy of the holies. It was Christ. Not only was it Christ, but look how he defines him. As we read verse number 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest. This is not great in terms of rank. Don't get this twisted. No, and level of, 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 of competency and, and, and acknowledgement and respect. That is not the idea of greatness here. Greatness being defined here is about who he was in his essence as being the son of God. That's what he meant by great high priest. A high priest without sin, without any God found in the mouth. The high priest for the sins of the whole world. And even, and even hanging there on the cross, we find him articulating from his suffering his whole purpose for coming into this world. Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabathana, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? God looked upon Christ and he saw all the sins of mankind. Beholding that sin and his son bearing the burden, the ridicule, the stripes of that sin Christ exclaims that from the cross but then he said this as well "father forgive them for they know not what they do" when individuals refuse to recognize and even in some cases reject the greatness of Christ. They're not only dismissing the son of the living God, but they are in fact dismissing their only opportunity to make it to heaven's glory. Because there's no other way to make it into heaven than through Christ and you cannot have one without the other a lot of people want to make it to heaven but they don't want to go to they don't they don't want Christ in order to make it there they want to create their own belief systems their own practices their own way of life and then their expectation the expectation is is that they will make it to heaven anyhow but Paul writes to us and he says to us that we have a great high priest. We have a high priest who's, whose character was not mauled, who, who whose person, if you will, may have been beaten and bruised. But yet with all the beating and bruising, it was not that he deserved it. It was because he took on that burden to, to bear it for us that since we could not bear it for ourselves. Thank God for our high priest, the great high priest. And then it says that it's passed into the heavens, and, 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 and this bears some time. Because when we look at the idea of passed into the heavens, some may want to think about the concept of, of maybe where the clouds are, or maybe you even want to think a little bit further, maybe you want to think about the stars, the galaxies, and and all of those things that are of material construct, because with those things which are of a material construct, we can in our humanity, we can more readily uh, understand and perceive and even maybe appreciate. But but when he talks about past, if you will, uh, 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 past uh, uh, through the heavens, he, he's not uh, he's not speaking about those heavens. When he says past into the heavens, he's talking about that place where only God dwells. Amen. God ain't in the cloud. He's not in the galaxy with the stars. Amen. He's talking about that place of eternity where only God dwells. And let me tell you something. The only one that has been identified that has come from there, Philippians chapter 2, helps us to understand that it was Christ who came from there. It is Christ who is going back there, and since Christ is the one who came from there, that means he knows the way back there. And if you don't choose Christ to go back there, I don't know who else is going to take you because nobody else knows the way. John 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. When people dismiss Christ, you dismiss your only road to heaven. There is no other way to be saved without Christ in our lives. And so Paul writes to the Hebrews, and he and 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 and, and there's a there's a there's remember the struggle of the Hebrews was always about genealogy. They trusted in Abraham. They trusted in that lineage. Those who could trace themselves. Back to the, uh, the lineage of Abraham. They considered themselves to be, if you will, perfect in the flesh. But God's not concerned about perfection in the flesh. God is concerned about being perfect in the spirit. And be very careful about what he means about perfect also. Amen. Because perfection has nothing to do with you being, uh, uh, if you will, uh, uh, sinless. Amen. 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 We, we, we all have our faults and our frailties and all of our issues that we need to continually go to God about. Amen. And I know that to be the case because God says that uh, Paul says rather that we need to search the scriptures daily. And I know what that means. Search the scriptures daily so you can continue to learn about what you need to do to become better the next day amen so we all have to deal with those struggles but yet when we look at the idea of perfection he's not talking about perfection in the flesh Paul would let him let us know uh, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews he was a a, a, a student of Gamaliel uh, if he was a, of the tribe of Benjamin he was he had he was a Roman if you will there are many things that Paul could uh, uh, testify to to become perfect in the flesh but Paul said all those things that were material and perfect in the flesh he said I count them all but dung that is worthless for the the excellency of the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul says, when you're trying to be perfect in the flesh, you're trying to be perfect in the wrong thing. What you need to do is be focused on being perfect in your spirit. And that spirit can only become perfect if it is with Christ. And that is a lifelong journey to be perfect in Christ Jesus. But we certainly know where perfection is. And since perfection is in Christ, that is the only place that we can go to even begin our journey on tri- striving to become perfect. Amen. Amen. Surely, Peter and Paul concur. As Peter says about Christ, be ye holy, for I am holy. He speaks of Christ. And so our holy uh, our search and our journey to become perfect, and our spirit can only be fulfilled when we are in Christ Jesus. And in that striving for perfection, we need to understand that, that, that it is only through it is only through the process that God has presented in the covenant in the scriptures. That man can go through in order that he might become that perfection in the spirit. And God has said that when we go down in the watery grave of baptism, He makes it very clear. Peter does when he says it's not to put away the filth of the flesh. He makes you, know, He lets you know. He lets you know immediately. This isn't about the. This is not about what you're witnessing, if you will, from the physical. Eye. Of the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the brother baptizing the, the individual that has presented themselves, if you will, for, for baptism. It's not about that. You see that, but that is not what it's about. It's about the spirit. It's about the relationship that is now being brought together. Amen. And that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. It is a spiritual process. It is the operation of God. And this is the process whereby man, in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, when he says, if any man be in Christ, we are new creatures. The old man is passed away. The new man arises. And and, and Romans chapter 6 says, we arise to walk in the newness of life. It's not about the flesh. It is about what the spirit is doing. It's about how our minds are now turned, not toward the world, but turned toward God. It's not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. But it's an answer of a good conscience toward God. And that is the process that is in the covenant. So when Paul speaks to the Hebrews and he talks about Christ passing through the heavens. He gets to explicitly identifying who has done this. He says, "Jesus, the Son of God," and then he gives us a command. And I know that there are those who may challenge. this. There are those in the religious community who who believe that the New Testament doesn't have any commandments. And I and I beg to differ. And I It is identified as a directive. It is a command. It is a directive being given to the individual. Let not your heart be troubled. It's not a request, (laughs) it's a directive. text in Hebrews 4 and 14 let us hold fast let us hold fast and I know some of this Shakespearean language it, it, it could be perplexing at times but you know you, you sit there and figure out uh, uh, how uh, uh, the Mandalorian carried around an alien green creature and you looked at every episode of that and figured it out but you don't want to spend time with the word of God figuring it out man, that's all right. (laughs) But we, we, when he looks at this Shakespearean language, we look at the Shakespearean language that says, "Let, let the urges, if you will, that man will go through in terms of turning away from God and then turning back to God and taking two steps forward and three steps back and, and all the vacillations that will go on. But God said, let us, let us. In other words, those who truly want to uh, to receive salvation, those who want to make heaven their home, he says, let us hold. And when he says let us hold, what he means is don't let go. Don't let go this truth. Don't let go this truth. We were all there. Amen. And let me tell you something. And, and, the, and the draw of it is still forever present. Amen. You know, and, and, and the only thing that, 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 that keeps us, if you will, from from uh, uh, from 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 being drawn back into it is the strength of our faith in Christ. Amen. That's the only thing that keeps us from going back into the word. Amen. You know, and so we, we he says, hold on to it, hold hold on to it, and and, and look, and, and I know now, hold on now, it's, it's going to be all right, don't get up and run out, it's going to be okay, amen, because sometimes, we, you know, sometimes our fingers get slippery, and sometimes instead of holding on to it, we start slipping, amen, we start slipping, but let me tell you something, when you start slipping, if you will, when, when, when Jesus was speaking about those who would put their hands to the plow and, and instead, of, instead of holding fast to the plow, Brother Joseph, amen, they look back and try to see what's going on in the, in, in the, in the past. You don't need to, to worry about it in the past. What you need to be worried about is what's in front of you, what's in the future. Amen. Hold on to the plow, he says, and don't let go. Put your hand to the plow. Don't let it slip. John says, we need to hold fast to the truth lest we let it slip. And when you talk about letting it slip, that means when you're letting it go, you're not only slipping, but now you're allowing yourself to be drawn back into the world. And if you once it, Peter says, of the spiritual word of God, and then you're drawn back into the world and you're once again overcome and overwhelmed in the world once again. He said there remaineth no hope for you because you've tasted of the spiritual nature of God already and that is the covenant, that is the word of God. So if you are drawn back into the world, then then there remaineth no sacrifice for you. There will be no second coming for someone to die as Christ did for the sins of the whole world. He is the only one that has entered into heaven's glory, and we now hold on to Christ, and we don't let it, we don't let it slip. He says, let us hold fast our profession now. The word here, profession, is a little bit, as I said to you, Amen. If if, if you claim to be one, then be that. Amen. You you can't vacillate in between two worlds. You've got to hold on to the one that is able uh, to save your soul. And that confession is that Jesus is the Christ. You may remember in Acts chapter 8 when when the Ethiopian eunuch was was, uh, 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 being taught, if you will, uh, uh, by Philip, and, and, and he asked, you know, you uh, 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 he see here is water. What does hinders me to be baptized, if you will? He says, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He witnessed a great confession. Amen. They both went down in the water. The eunuch went on his way rejoicing. The man of God was taken away to go and do some other work. But he witnessed a great confession. And let me tell you something, when, when, when the mind gets to that point where, where, where the mind is ready, that spirit is ready to obey the gospel of the word of God, let me tell you something, if, if, if you're truly obeying it from the heart, if you're truly obeying it from the heart, then let me tell you something, the world can't touch you. It doesn't mean. And I'm not to the tempted part, but I'll put this here just for the sake of, of, of foreshadowing. Remember when Jesus was on the face of the earth, Philippians chapter 2 teaches us very clearly that he took on the form of a man. He took on the form of a servant. In other words, in every way that we are tempted, Jesus was tempted. Amen. And when Jesus was being tempted, that means that he felt all the emotions, all the Lust. There's a difference between the two. Amen. There's a difference between being seduced uh, and being tempted. I'll deal with it in a minute. Just hold on. Yeah, a lot of us are seduced, and some of us are just tempted. Lord have mercy. Amen. Jesus was tempted. Lord have mercy. The devil was tempting him. But Jesus. Into seduction. So God said, Abraham, hey, you got. To To him. Jesus says I had to go to Jerusalem. I have to suffer many things. Jesus knew why he came. He knew. John 17, 1 through 5 lets us know that he knew. God the Father had sent him on a mission. To do the work. And that work was just planning a way and putting a way in place to save the soul. Fulfill his potential. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Oh, he's got the devil trying to keep folks from doing what he needs to do. But Jesus had to fulfill his potential. But the devil's going to tempt you. He's going to try to keep you from moving forward in doing what God has asked of you and and directed you in, 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 in doing. Amen. When God says let, if you will, let us lay hold, let us hold on to it. That's God saying this is what you need to do in order to be saved. And Satan is at the same time saying, no, you don't have to hold on. Let go. Stop here for a minute. We manifest the traits of the devil. Amen. When we're lying, cheating, stealing, killing, and all that, those are the things that the devil left behind. And many people succumb to those influences. But when he says to Peter, Get thee hence, Satan, what he is saying is those things that Peter wanted. Those subjective things that Peter wanted were not the things that God had commanded. And when the things that God commands contradicts the things that you want, you have to let God be true in every man of life. That's why he told Peter, get thee hits, Satan. Because you desire the things that are of man, of the world, but not the things that be of God. And that's where our challenge is. As Abraham is being directed and guided and commanded to leave her and to go into the place that God had appointed him, Hebrews chapter 11, we too must do the same thing and we have to let go of that which has kept us from moving forward in Christ. And let me tell you something, the more you look into the past, the more you find the devil. You, 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 you've got to be able to think about what is possible. In Christ Jesus. For all things are possible with God. Amen. But brother, you don't know where I came from. You don't know what I experienced. You don't know what I went through. You don't know what I did. You know what? All of us have a story to tell. We have a story to tell. And I'm sure that as humanity is what humanity is, some of our story overlaps and some of our story diverges. But let me tell you something. It all led to the same one place, and that is to hell. But we did one thing. When our lives intersected with the covenant of God, when somebody invited us to come and to hear the word of God and we listened to the word of God, our spirit said, I know a way out. I found a way out. I found a new road. I found a different direction. I found the right direction. I found the way. So we find ourselves... Looking into the past, and when you look into the past, you're always going to find the devil. But if you look forward, you're going to find Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul writes to the church of uh, Corinth and he says to them, he says, look, you have to understand something. There will come a time when this life will change and it will change permanently. It will change not only, if you will, from the standpoint of, of, the, of, uh, of what we believe to be uh, the earth and its existence, but the very essence of man, his body, will all be changed. And it will be changed in a moment and the twinkling of an eye. In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse fifty two. Paul said to the church at Corinth, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying is written death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? O oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through Moses. Through, 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 through Elijah. Through Abraham. Through Noah. Amen. Through David. Lord, have mercy. No. Through John the Baptizer. No. Through Paul, through Peter, through Mary, through Elizabeth. Amen. Through Jesus. Gives us the victory through Jesus. Our victory is in Christ. And he that is in Christ. Carries away. The victory. And someone says the victory over what? Because what? if you are the victor, who is the defeated? Lord have mercy. Who is the defeated? And y'all know who's the defeated. It's Satan. The devil missed you. And that's how we know that the devil don't take in prisoners. Because see, the devil wants the victory. And he knows that the only way that he It both. It is. It is. It is both encouraging. And at the same time, concerning. Because when, when John says. That, that he saw under the in the book of Revelations, the book of eschatology, the book of the last things, when Paul, when John was in 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 the spirit on the Lord's day. And the angel showed him who, who, the, the the altar. Said, John the baptizer said, Behold the Lamb. Yeah. That taking away the sin of the whole world. Yeah. That's what John said. Yeah. John said, I'm sitting here baptizing you, but I have need to be baptized of you. Yeah. John understood who Jesus is. Yeah. Ain't no question. There was no question who the great high priest was. Come on. But Jesus said, Let it be so that we must fulfill all righteousness. But nevertheless. John says that he saw these under the altar and they were arrayed in white robes and the angel said these are they who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb." So we know they came through Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen? But look what else he says. They came out of great trial and tribulations. That means a When they came out of it, that means they were victorious. They carried away the victory. They washed the robes in the blood of the lamb, and then they carried away the victory. But but look, it it wasn't like they were just skipping to the Tudors. They had to deal with those trials and tribulations. The ups and the downs, they had to deal with it. They had to hold on. they were able to overcome the influences of Satan you see that that and the devil's mad at that he knows that when one obeys the gospel he's lost. Amen. When you slip from Jesus, there's somebody there waiting to catch you. Amen. Oh, you didn't need them anyhow. The yeah, amen. Boy, I wish I had time with that one, but I got to go. The, the devil will catch you, and he will give you all your heart's desire because you think you're all right. But in fact, what he's doing is he's destroying your soul. You're now captive once again. But he said, these are they who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb, but they've come out of much trial and tribulation. And, and, and I want you to see this here. And this, this is important because, remember, this is still the time of the miraculous. When, when we're reading this text in Revelations, and reading about the apostles, the apostles lived in the time of the miraculous. There are those who have seemed to misunderstood uh, the significance of, uh, of the miraculous. Even during the times of the miraculous. Though we do not, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we do not live. confer a gift if the Holy Spirit concurred with their conference. they couldn't just do it, amen the spirit had to agree the spirit gave severally as he willed the apostles were the instruments through which he operated, so if the spirit didn't want to give a gift, I don't care how many times the apostle laid hands on you, you didn't get it so I just want that to be clear, why is that important Because even during the, it is is a misunderstanding at the very minimum. It is deceitful at the worst. When individuals believe that if they had a miraculous gift somehow, they would overcome the trials and tribulations of life. That is not doctrinal. Even during the time of the miraculous, the apostles suffered trials and tribulations. Becoming a child of God does not absolve you or immune you from trials and tribulations. Oh, if you had a relationship with God, then you wouldn't be going through all of this. That's not how the Bible works. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. As a matter of fact, if you are blessed to suffer as a Christian, that makes you stronger. To make it into heaven's glory. Help me, Lord Jesus. I know I gotta suffer. The world has given us a false idea of how being spiritual in God works. In, in Revelations chapter 1 and verse number 9, Paul, uh, John, rather, makes this very clear. John says, "In John, during the time of the miraculous, John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. You always already know that scripture. But in Revelations 1 and 9, he says, I, John, who also am your brother, I thank God that he says he's my brother. Amen. That means he's a member of the church. Amen. Amen. I'm your brother. And companion in what? In tribulation. But wait a minute. This is the time during the miraculous. The apostles had the Holy Spirit of God. They they, they had all of these things. How in the world could could they be suffering through tribulations? Just because it was the time of the miraculous, that didn't mean that a soul did not have to suffer. Strengthened through his word. He says, I, John, who am your brother and companion in tribulation, and guess what? And in the kingdom. Amen. That's the church. Amen. Amen. Matthew 16 and 18, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, Peter, he says, and, and he says He says. he's going to give him the keys to the kingdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 24, Jesus says he's going to present unto his father the kingdom. And once again, God will be over all in all. And we know that the church and the kingdom is one and the same. Amen. And that's what he says, for Ephesians chapter 5, 23 and following. He's going to present to himself a glorious church without having spot, wrinkle, or blemish. And so when he says that I'm your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom, he says I'm also the one in patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Just because it is the days of the miraculous in the New Testament text, it did not absolve or immune the apostles nor the disciples that were not apostles from going through trials and tribulations. So we should not be amazed in our time of the non-miraculous age that we suffer because this is the journey of It's not about whether or not you're going to get into it, because you will get into it. The question is whether or not you're going to get through it. And in order to get through it, you're going to need Jesus on your side. All right. So back in Hebrews 4, that is our profession. Let us hold fast to that profession. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the church. We believe in baptism. We believe in prayer. Amen. We believe that God will will bless us when we, when we ask him for blessings. It may not be what we ask for, but it'll be what we need. This is our confession of faith. In verse number 15, he says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And I want you to see that. He says, We don't have a high priest who doesn't understand what we're going through. See, people, God, God already knows us. He knows his creation. We're God's creation. He knows when we're thinking I sent the lily of the field, the rose of Shiloh. I sent it, that he would come and die in your place so that I can give you an opportunity to believe on him who had no sin, who had no God, tempted in every way that you have, are being tempted. There will be no excuse when we stand before God. Amen. Jesus was both God. And he was the son of man. But in every way, he resisted the temptation of Satan. He says, we don't have a high priest, which is Christ, that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points, in all points, not some, in all points, tempted, like as we are, yet without And that's where the distinction is made. Because he showed us in his humanity that being a human being is not an excuse for not obeying God. Being weak in the flesh is not an excuse for not obeying God. Jesus was in the flesh, tempted in every way, but yet Is a seducer. And his job is to get you to see that which is the desire of your heart. Even though that may be something that is. Co conspirator in the event. You've been seduced. Now, how do you know this? Because when you come to, when you go back to the book of Genesis, we've already gone past this, but, but here's some new stuff for well, you. Times that Adam passed that tree. It wasn't a problem, even if it looked good. Here it goes. They may have been tempted, but they didn't touch it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Lord, They saw the fruit, even, even, even made a confession. He said it looked good for food. Well, how, what? Did you just now recognize? now. This is good stuff. Yeah. This is what Satan does. Look, Satan is a one-trick pony. He don't change his. He says, it's working. Why? Well, have to come up with something new. I come up with something new. I just keep playing the same game. So he keeps seducing. And so what does he do? He shows you something that you want, and, 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 and some of us will get to the point where we'll do anything and everything that we want that we, to give that, Even when it's in violation of God's word. A covenant. Without any, and then what did she, what did Satan do? Satan said, "Thou shall not." Surely not. He seduced Eve, beguiled her. seduces the same way that he did in the Garden of Eden is the same thing that he's doing now. He seduced Eve but understand something here, it takes two to tangle. Amen. Eve, when you become seduced, it you must now become part of the seduction. He cannot seduce you independently of your free will. Satan cannot seduce you independently of your free will. He gets you to change your will. My stop. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world and and and, and, and look what he says. he says. He says, I will give you this. The ultimate seducer. I will give you this if you will, you will, you will, you will bow down and worship me. That's what he said. And what does the what does Jesus show us? Look at the power of Christ. Look at the power of the relationship we have with Christ. What does he say to him? He says, Thou, man shall not live, man (laughs) shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus brings back what? The covenant. The relationship that one has with God. It doesn't matter how sparkly and how, how wonderful, whatever it is, that, that's, that's being presented. If it, is, it, if it is violating your relationship with God, you better think twice about it. Because if that's what's going to... The devil... The devil goes to Jesus, and, he, and, he, and look, he says, cast thyself from, this, uh, from here, and, 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 and lest the, uh, the angels bear thee up, lest I dash thy foot against the stone. And then, Je- and then Jesus comes back and says, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He comes back to the covenant. I'm not going to put God to a test. Why would I test him? God says he's, he'll save me, and if God chooses to save me, he'll save me. I don't need to test the Lord. I take him at his word. But the devil will seduce you. The difference between subduction and temptation is that when I'm tempted, I may see th- some things, even desire some things that, that are appealing. But, 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 but the word of God it is what constrains me. So I can be tempted but without sin. It is not until I give over my free will. And I then engage in the temptation and and therefore into the seduction. And when I engage in that, then I have been seduced because now I'm complicit. I'm part of it. And that's the distinction between the two. Why is that so important? Because when you come back to Hebrews chapter 4 and you look at verse number 15 we will deal with a lot of infirmities in life. We will go through a lot of challenges in life. There will be a lot of problems, whether it's physical illness, whether it's whether it's mental illness, whether it's financial problems and, and all kinds of things in life. There are many of them. There, 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 there's a litany of them, and there's too many to even name. But let me tell you something. He says, you're going to be tested with these infirmities. You're going to be tempted in these infirmities. Uh, he says, but was in all points tempted. These things will tempt you like like as we are, he says. He was tempted, but yet he was without sin. In other words, even though you are being tempted, when you have God in your life, when you are are grounded in the covenant, in the word of God, you have the power to resist it. And the devil knows it. The devil knows it. Yet he was without sin. And then verse number 16, as I close, we'll come back to this, some more of this next time, but I'm well over my over my time, but we don't have Bible class, so this is, this is Bible class. In verse number 16, he says, let, let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace. Let me, let me, let me tell you something. we all going to suffer. We're all going to be tempted. But if you don't have God in your life, you're going to fall into Satan's seduction. That's what he does. He's going to seduce you. Uh, he is the seducer. But 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 he says let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that is to the throne of God let us come boldly to the throne of God you know why because God knows how to give us strength amen. God knows how to give us strength amen to get On what's forever versus on what's temporary. Because I can tell you what, there are nine justices, but that doesn't mean that they will be there forever. And I'm not trying to be political, I'm trying to make a point. We too focus on that which is temporary more than that which is eternal. Our souls are more important. And let me tell you something prayer changes things, the Lord is on our side. So when the infirmities of the world and the struggles and challenges of the world come upon us, you know what the Christian needs to do? The Christian needs to come boldly to the throne of God, to the throne of grace, and ask God for what it is that we need. And so we go before God and we ask him for strength. We have ask him for strength to get through the challenges and the struggles of life. And when you see Abraham, you will notice something about Abraham. Abraham was a friend of God because what Abraham did was based on his faith in God. And when you see Abraham and God asks something of Abraham, he, cha- he tempts Abraham with something that was so close to Abraham that no one would ever think that Abraham would be willing to do such a thing. But when you trust in God more, when you trust in the, 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 the word of God and, 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 and what God is able to do, then you are able to do the things that God has commanded to be done. And when God commands us to change our lives by going through the watery grave of baptism, when we trust God, and we believe in God, we're going to obey his way. We're going to let God be true. When God asks Abraham to give his only son. We'll talk about this more next time. But you have to imagine for one moment a father being asked, being commanded to sacrifice his son. And you may say to yourself, and, and I'm going to I'll, I'll open this up for you so you can you can read it. And you won't leave out of here depressed. In Hebrews chapter 11, Abraham knew something. Abraham knew something about God. As it, as it pertained to his son. Because see, Abraham received Isaac from the dead. Because Sarah was barren. But God blessed her. To bring forth a child. So Abraham already knew. I got this child from God in the first place. And if it is that God desires to have this child back. I know this about God. I got him from the dead. God can raise him from the dead. I know something about the Lord. And when you know that God is faithful in all the things that He has said, let me tell you something. You can do what God has commanded to be done. Because God's going to fulfill His promises. And Abraham knew that God said, So he says, let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And I'm letting you know right now, we don't offer the invitation with if you have a need, because we all have a need. That's a foregone conclusion. The question is, do you want to be saved? The Bible says in Romans 10 and 17, so then faith cometh by hearing. he that cometh to God must believe that he is that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him diligently seek him even when we're children of God we have to continue to seek the Lord Amen. we gotta seek his face seek him where he can be found and that is the word of God we continue to study to be better people to be better Christians and if you're not a member of the body of Christ you seek God because For therein is is the gospel of Christ revealed from faith to faith. For it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the righteousness of God is revealed by faith. We need to come to God. We need to come. And this is your time to come. Because without faith. Jesus, Romans ten and ten, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness; with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what the Ethiopian eunuch did. That's what all the disciples in the first new, in the in the first century church did. They acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, and so we have to do the same thing today. And then we go down. church just like he added to the ark just like he allowed certain ones to be in the tabernacle he allowed certain ones to be in the temple he allowed certain ones to be in the church and those who are in the church are innumerable because those who are in the church are not based on an individual it's based on those who have obeyed Amen. doesn't matter what the ethnicity is doesn't matter what your background is doesn't matter what you used to do it's about whether or not you're going to let God, be true in your life, in every man a liar. And it's time for you to come. And it's time for you to come right now. Why don't you stand and why don't you sing the invitational song as, uh, as you come. Somebody's knocking at your door.
0: you answer somebody he's knocking at your door and he can save you somebody he's knocking at your door and he can save you somebody he's knocking at your door and oh, sinner why don't you answer somebody? is knocking at your door it knocks like jesus somebody is knocking at your door knocks like jesus somebody is knocking at your door and oh sinner don't you answer, somebody is knocking at your door? And will you answer, somebody is knocking at your door? And will you answer, somebody is knocking at your door? And oh, sinner to answer somebody he's knocking at your door